Well, good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt. I'm the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship Church. And today we're going to be talking about overcoming temptation. This, this week's installment in our series on spiritual warfare. When I talk about spiritual warfare, Hollywood would conjure up that it's always going to involve you know, things that go bump in the night type of stuff or something that's really scary. And there's certainly a dimension of all this in the Bible. And as we go through the series, we'll talk about those things where you know, Jesus cast evil spirits out of people and other things on a regular basis. And so when we talk about evil spirits, when we talk about the devil, we talk about demons, how do you and I interact with this on a regular basis? And a lot of times people go, well, I don't. I mean, come on, there's nothing like that. That's not real. The Bible says, oh, yeah, this is very real. And one way that you and I will experience spiritual warfare on a daily, sometimes hourly basis, is through temptation. So I'm going to talk with you about that today. This is a very real thing. And the devil tempts us. He is a fallen angel. Very convincing. He would love to tempt us to go his way instead of God's way. He wants to get us out of God's plan for our lives and onto a different track that will just take the joy, take the life, take all the meaning and purpose out of our lives and bring us pain. And he would love to do that. And so today I want to talk with you about how he does it. There's a number of cases, in the, a couple of cases in the Bible that we're going to look at today, how he does this, and then how we can stand firm and, res- and resist the temptations of the devil when they come. So it's a good lesson today, something you can really use. Let's have a word of prayer, and we'll jump right in. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to discuss something terribly important to us. I thank you for your word. It's our guide in all matters of faith and practice. And Lord, um, you warn us that there is an evil one who's out to get us, to tempt us, to pull us away from you. And once we're away, he'd love to keep us away and fill us with guilt and shame. And so today, Lord, I can... I pray that you will let your truth shine in our hearts so we'll understand the lies of the devil when they come, how to resist them, and that, Lord, we can live victorious lives. Please move me out of the way, Lord. Say whatever you want us to hear today, whatever we need to hear today. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Hey, if you didn't get a pen on your way in, just raise your hand. One of the ushers will bring one to you. You're going to want to take some notes on this. So point A on your outline, I've already mentioned this, we will all be tempted by the devil. I mean, this happens. There are none of us who aren't tempted, all right? Uh, That's why in the Lord's Prayer, when Jesus was asked by his disciples, hey, would you teach us how to pray? Well, he taught them that we're supposed to honor God's name, that we're supposed to give thanks for our daily bread, that we're supposed to forgive others uh, just as we've been forgiven. And then there's a line in the Lord's Prayer that says this, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is for everybody to pray. That's why we know that temptation happens to all of us because there is an evil one, and he will tempt us to go his way instead of God's way. And once we get on his path, uh, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, destroy anything that honors God's name. So give you two illustrations, one from the beginning of the Old Testament, one from the beginning of the New Testament. The Old Testament, the temptation of Eve, the first woman, Adam and Eve, Garden of Eden, first woman. And the reason we're going to look at this is, is we understand how the devil tempts us. There are certain strategies that he uses over and over again, and that we fall for them every time. And once we understand them, we can be better prepared when he attacks us the next time. So, the devil tempted Eve. This is Genesis chapter 3. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And the devil appeared to Eve in the form of the serpent. And one day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it, 
If you do, you'll die. Oh, you won't die, the servant replied to the woman. God knows your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it. You'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. Now, I just want to say this, that if you're not familiar with Genesis 3, it is very clear that there was one tree where there was fruit on that tree that was forbidden. There were millions of other trees in the garden. Adam and Eve could eat their fill. Just not this one. Adam and Eve, where this was a test by God for them to trust him, to put his will above their own, to trust that he had their best interests in mind. And isn't that the way temptation always works? It's putting my will above God's will, going my own way. Always. Well, you'll see this here. And the devil tempted her and said, No, God knows your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it. You'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. He's holding out on you, Eve. Well, the woman was convinced. She saw the tree was beautiful. Its fruit looked delicious. She wanted the wisdom it would give her, so she took some of the fruit and ate it. And then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. And at that moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees because they were ashamed. They had sinned. Now, what's really interesting about all this is, is that here's what the devil does. And we see this with Eve. He will always try to convince us and remind us of the one thing in there. There was one tree that was forbidden. He'll convince Eve of the one thing that was forbidden and make her, try to make her forget about all the millions of blessings and promises she had elsewhere. That's the same thing that's going to happen to you and me. He'll try to tell us, oh yeah, you got this blessing, this blessing, and this blessing, but you can't have that. That's the one thing you need. God's holding out on you. Works this way over and over again, and we fall for it every time. God can be so good to us. We can thank him for this, 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 and this, and then there's one temptation. Got to have it. And when we bite, all of a sudden now, that ruins relationships, might cost us a career. Who knows? And that's what the devil does. And this is a real way that you and I will experience spiritual warfare on a regular basis, being tempted to go our own way or to go his way, the devil's way, instead of the Lord's way. Secondly, the devil tempted Jesus. He not only tempted Eve at the beginning of the Old Testament, he tempted Jesus at the beginning of the New Testament. You might be going, well, why would Jesus need to be tempted? Well, remember, Jesus came uh, to earth. He is God in human form. He's fully God and fully human at the same time. And as a human, he had to be tested in every way we are. He was tempted just like we are. Uh, in fact, you could write in the margin, Hebrews 4.15, it says that we have a high priest, Jesus, who's been tempted in every way we are, but he never sinned. So he had victory over the devil, victory over his temptations. And here's uh, an example of... Uh, Jesus being tempted in a way that you and I, I mean, at levels we, couldn't have, we could have never held out on. Then Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time, became very hungry, and then the devil said to him, if you're the son of God, then change this stone into a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people don't live by bread alone. He's quoting Deuteronomy 8, 3 there. And then the devil took him up and revealed him to all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I'll give you all the glory of these kingdoms and the authority over them, the devil said, because they're mine to give to anyone I please. I'll give it all to you if you will worship me. And Jesus replied, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Deuteronomy 6.13. So the devil's trying to tempt him with food. He's gone 40 days without food. I mean, to contrast it, Eve had probably eaten a big breakfast and was tempted with the fruit. 
Jesus went 40 days. If you ever wonder, does Jesus understand what it's like to be tempted? Well, the temptations you and I face would be mosquito bites compared to these. I mean, he's being tempted with, to use his divine power, not for God's glory, but just to make lunch, to satisfy his own desires. And then to, he wants to offer him all the kingdoms of the world. Well, Jesus is the king of kings and lord of lords, but the devil's saying, you know, if you worship me, I can give you all this and make you as popular as anybody ever will be. I'll give you the title of all titles here on earth. Because he knows that Jesus didn't come to lift up himself. He came to do the will of his father. He humbled himself. I mean, even dying a criminal's death on a cross. But the devil's tempting him to take a shortcut to do something different. I'll give it all to you if you worship me. And Jesus replied, no, the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God, only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, to the highest point in the temple. And he said, look, if you're the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect and guard you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus has been quoting scripture back to the devil. Well, the devil goes, well, okay, so how about if I use some scripture and kind of twist it and make it into a temptation? He quoted Psalm 91 here. That's Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12. Those verses about protecting, about protection are for exactly that, that God will protect people in, who are doing his will, not putting... Uh, not trying to be a daredevil, trying to be Superman. And Jesus responded to the devil saying, uh, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. And when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. Two temptations. Devil tempted Eve, devil tempted Jesus. If you turn your outline over, we can learn a lot of the devil's strategies. We can learn a few of the devil's strategies here so we can be prepared when we're tempted. I mean, that's the value of studying these things. When you study how these things went down, because we know there's a devil and he tempts us, well, how did he work in the past? And there are recurrent patterns here, both with Eve and with Jesus. And these are the, way, these are the patterns he's going to use on us because they work. In fact, Paul talked about this in 2 Corinthians uh, 2.11. He reminded the Corinthians uh, to make sure they were in line with God's will so that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. I mean, we are familiar with certain things he does. These are recurrent patterns, and they will happen in your life and in mine. First of all, Satan tempts us to satisfy legitimate desires in the wrong way or at the wrong time. Wrong way, wrong time. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. He appeals to a legitimate desire. It's a legitimate desire to want to eat a nice piece of fruit. There was plenty of fruit. It wasn't the problem that fruit is good to eat. You're not supposed to eat that one. With Jesus, nothing wrong with eating bread, but using his divine power for, to satisfy his own appetites, no, that's not why he came. And the devil knew that. And he'll do the same thing with you and me if you'd write in the word shortcut across the top. He always wants to offer us a shortcut. Hey, you can get there easier. This is a good thing. If it's good to have two, you should take ten. Uh, I'll tell you I mean, kind of a heartbreaking story here. A friend of mine, uh, for years, we'd prayed together that she would find the right man to marry. She always wanted to marry and raise a family. And then I remember a few years back, I met her on an occasion where all of a sudden she showed me her wedding ring. She'd gotten married. I went, oh, wow. When did that happen? And she said, well, last month I got married. It's like, Oh, okay. 
um, well, who did you marry? And she told me the gentleman's name, her husband's name, and I went, oh, you guys have been friends for a long time. I didn't know you were romantically involved. And she goes, well, yeah, I mean, we're, we're working on that. I go, you're working on that? And she goes, yeah, I mean, and I said, well, so why did you want to marry him? She goes, well, you know, I'm 35, and my biological clock is ticking, and I, I really want to have a baby, and he said that would be okay with him. Does anybody see any red flags going up anywhere right now about marriage? And so all of a sudden now, we're praying for the right man to marry, and all of a sudden she gets in a panic because, hey, this has got to happen. So she talks to this guy, yeah, they're friends, okay, let's try marriage. They don't love each other, they're not attracted to each other, but we'll work on that. Their marriage did not last. She was afraid, though, that this might be her last chance, this might be the last train out of the station. It isn't the train I really wanted to catch, but i got to jump on board. She's not alone in this. We do this all the time. Lord, i I got to cheat on my income tax. I need that money. I mean, everybody does it. Lord, I know it's not right for me to pass on this gossip, but what else do you do with gossip? I mean, it wasn't like I said it. I just forwarded the email. And all these things come around us, and this is how temptation hits us over and over again. Here's just a shortcut. You don't have to wait. You don't have to tell the truth. You don't have to be a person of integrity. Why do you have to stand up for the truth? Let somebody else do it. That's a stupid law. And all of a sudden, we get ourselves in a world of trouble. The devil comes to steal and kill and destroy and that's what happens. Now I want to remind us again, when people are tempted like this, the temptation itself isn't the sin. The temptation is when we give in. Jesus was tempted. He never sinned. The temptation isn't the sin. The temptation is when we bite. And that's why here, temptation comes from our own desires. The devil didn't jam an apple down Eve's throat. There was no force feeding going on here. She took and ate it freely. And that's when the sin came. Secondly, Satan lies to us to help us rationalize. I've been doing some of that with you here already, how this happens, to rationalize sin. We know it's wrong. Well, I know it's not right. Well, I know I shouldn't have done this. I mean, if you start out with an explanation of why you're doing something and saying, look, I know it's not right, but it's not right. And then he accuses us after we sin, to keep us from God. The whole goal of temptation is to draw us away from God. The way from God would have us live our lives to the way uh, he wants to live our lives, which will ruin us. He, we are God's prized possession, and he wants to destroy us. And so if he draws us away, well, then he wants to keep us away. So not only can there be a lie and a temptation to pull us away, but then when Adam and Eve are hiding in shame in the garden away from God, oh, that's, that's Satan's lie. He would love to keep all of us hiding far away. So if you blow it, then that's after we sin, then certainly don't go to church because now, now God will never accept you because you knew better and you sinned. Now you never go to your connect group. Now you never tell a friend because they won't like you either. And certainly don't come tell John Schmidt because he will hit you over the head with a Bible. He will. I mean, it is the most amazing thing. People in my office, they will come and confess stuff to me. And while they're confessing, they'll even do this. 
and I'll go, what are you doing? And they'll go, I don't, I don't know. I just didn't know. I've never been this far. I didn't know what was going to happen next. And I go, I'm not going to hit you with the Bible or anything else. And they go, oh, yeah. What are you going to do? Well, I'm going to tell you that because you confess your sins, God is faithful and just. He'll forgive you of your sins. He'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If that's good news, would you say amen? amen. The devil will lie to you and say he will not. You knew better. You sinned. God hates you now. He'll never forgive you. Run away. Don't try to talk to God. Don't talk to those other people at church. Besides, they're all a bunch of hypocrites too. Do you see all the rationalization now? They're no better than you anyway. Here we go. John eight forty four. Jesus says, when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he's a liar and the father of lies. The ancient servant called the devil or Satan is the accuser of our brothers and sisters. He accuses them before our God day and night. This is the way he works, putting doubt. Did God really say? Why would God say, are you really the son of God? Are you even a Christian? Do you think those people are going to put up with you now? Do you think God's going to forgive you now? Lies, 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 lies. We experience these things all the time. And the Bible says we're guaranteed to. Thirdly, I want us to notice that Satan is always waiting. I mean, the serpent was waiting next to the tree for Eve to come along. With Jesus, I don't know if you caught that last line, he left Jesus. When the devil had finished tempting him, tempting Jesus, he left him till the next opportunity came. In some translations, it says, for a more opportune time. Don't think that testing and temptations are a one and done, and if you survive temptation today, there won't be any tomorrow. Mm-mm. You are being hunted. I am being hunted by a fallen angel who wants to drag me away from Jesus and keep me away. We're being hunted. That's why if you go through your life and go, why does this temptation keep coming back? Why does it keep coming back? Why is there always another temptation? He is relentless. His time is short. We talked about last week, his judgment is coming, his time is short, and he wants to drag as many people with him as he can away from Jesus. Stay alert. If you think I'm making this up, 1 Peter 5, 8, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We're being hunted. So what do we do about it? Well, that's point C. Good news is the scripture not only tells us that there is a fallen angel who is very smart and very powerful who's coming after us to tempt us and drag us to tempt us away from Jesus and God's will for our lives. The Bible tells us all that God, also that Paul tells us here that God has given us spiritual armor so we can resist the devil and stand firm when the temptations come. Stand firm. Next to that, if you just write the words, say no. That you don't give in. There's some things you and I can do. If we know the devil's coming and we know his tactics, that he's going to twist things a little bit, he's going to take things that are legitimate desires and tempt us to take them the wrong way or the wrong time, well, then we can be ready the next time. If we know he's going to lie to us and then accuse us, we can be ready. If we know that he is constantly waiting, then we can be constantly on the alert. 
Therefore, with that in mind, here's what Paul says in Ephesians 6, Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll, you'll be able to resist the enemy in time of evil. Then, after the battle, you'll still be standing firm. You'll be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth, the body armor of God's righteousness. I'm going to explain some of these this morning or right now, and we'll do more of them in the weeks to come. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news. He'll be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times, on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So I want to talk through a few of those pieces here of armor. A Roman soldier put on a suit of armor going into battle. The key piece to it was a belt, a big leather belt. The sword would be hung from it. The body armor or the chest piece would be strapped into it. It's kind of a utility belt. It was the foundation for the rest of the armor. For us, the foundation of our defense against the devil's temptations is the belt of truth. This is point one. It's the belt of truth. To know the truth. Listen to what Jesus said about this. John 17. He's praying for his disciples the night before he's crucified. I'm not asking you to take my disciples out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. And how would, they do, how would that happen? Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. We're going to talk about it in a minute that the Bible is an offensive weapon. It's like a sword that we can fight back, but it's also our foundation. We have the truth. If you and I know that Satan's going to tell us lies, well, the very best way to prepare for that is to make sure we know what the truth is so we know a lie when we hear it. That's why you'll hear me say in virtually every message, the Bible is our guide in all matters of faith and practice. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you're truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching, teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will, would you read that with me, please? And the truth will set you free. Let's say that much again. And the truth will set you free. Set us free from what? Well, it'll set us free from temptations, one thing's for sure. If I know the truth, then I won't buy into the lie. You know, I was talking about Eve at the beginning there that the focus was always on the one thing that was forbidden instead of the millions of blessings she already had. It's exactly the way it works. <laughs> Some of you know that like 20 years ago, I was a college pastor. It was one of my first ministry assignments. And there was a young man who'd gone off to school. And um, he came uh, back from college after his first semester. He'd gone off to school and become chug-a-lug champ at his fraternity his dad brought him home because he was sporting a 0.9 GPA. Not making this up. That's bad, by the way, for those of you who don't know. That's, that's a bad GPA. And his dad said, hey, I'm not going to pay for college if you're just going to go over there and drink like a fish. Okay, that's, You're coming home. You're going to have to get a job. You're going to have to go to school here. Had him go to school at AUM. And you're going to have to do some community service. And to get your head straight as part of the punishment, you're going to have to go meet with John Schmidt, which always makes me feel so good, by the way. You know? Hey, hey. Hey, here's a good shot for your self-esteem. I'm the punishment. Okay, good. So anyway, so his dad comes and says, John, he's got his head all turned around. We went to school. I don't know what's going on with him. You talk with him. And you know, he's got to help you with ministry like three hours a week. Okay. Good news was I really like this young man. I said, okay, let's make the most of this. You're going to help me do some stuff. I'm doing college ministry. You helped me with some Bible studies. You helped me with a couple of events I had coming up. Like I had a bowling party coming up for a group of students. I had some other things we were doing. 
And he helped me. He was good to his word. He did what his dad said. He really wanted to get back in his dad's good graces. We were like eight weeks in, nine weeks in, and we just had this party. And uh, he said, can I talk to you after it was over? Went, sure. We are cleaning some stuff up. And he goes, okay, this is the darnest thing I've ever seen. He goes, I went to this party. You didn't have any alcohol. Nobody's swearing. There's nothing dirty. There's nothing wrong going on. All this stuff. In fact, he said, I've been hanging around you. You have more meaningful and substantive conversations with people than I've ever had. I've seen you have more conversations just at one evening than I have in a whole year. You talk about real things with people. You pray with them, and people are genuinely having fun. He goes, I'm having fun. He goes, this is like, how come people don't know this? I go, because there is a devil. You got to get drunk. You got to get high. You got to sin. That's true fun. And yet over and over again, we can see the consequences of the lie played out right in front of us. If you just have lots and lots of stuff, you'll be truly fulfilled. And we see people who have lots and lots of stuff and their lives are empty. And they're the ones going to rehab because they can't find meaning. You can know the truth. The truth will set you free. That's why the foundation is, hey, if I'm putting on the armor, the first piece is truth. I've got to believe there is such a thing as truth. And then if you indulge me here, I uh, changed my outline a little order here. I want to go to point three next if I can. Guys, if you can put point three up there instead. We must use the sword of the Spirit, the Bible. Not only is it our foundation of truth, but it's our offensive weapon. We have a chance to fight back. When we're being tempted, I can actually respond. For the Word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes their innermost thoughts and desires. If I put God's Word in my head and I and I learn this, well, then I got a way I can respond back when the temptation comes. I can. When I am tempted, for instance, to hold a grudge, if I have meditated on Romans 12, the last four or five verses of the chapter, where, and I'm being tempted, hey, hold a grudge because there's this person who did you wrong. Man, that scripture, if I have put this in my heart, I can remember, no, don't hold grudges. Don't repay evil for evil. Repay evil with good. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. As far as is possible with you, you be at peace with all people. If your enemy's hungry, give him something to eat. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And in so doing, you'll heap burning coals of shame upon his head. Upon his head. Never repay evil with evil. Repay evil with good. All of a sudden now, I've got something when the thought comes in, hey, I need to avoid that person. No, I'm not going to do it. Instead, I go up and I say hello. I go up and treat them the way I want to be treated. And the devil doesn't get a victory, and I don't drink another cup of bitterness to poison my heart. Hmm. I got a weapon. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. When people come into my office and say, what do I do with this problem? We open the Bible together, and I show them scriptures that apply, and I go, this is the truth you need to embrace. And then we talk about, hey, where do you get help with that, and where can you get counsel, and what can you do? But take this and put this, write this out, and put a sticky note on your dashboard with it. Write it on a three-by-five card. Keep it in your pocket. Put it on your phone. Meditate on it day and night. It'll change the way you think. And if I do this for years and all of a sudden I'm a different person and now when temptations come, I can fight those away. That's not true. 
That's not true. I know there's truth, and I've got a weapon to fight back so I can stand firm. This is God's word, and it's why we want you to read the Bible every day. It's why you want you to be in a small group where you can discuss this and learn how to apply it. And that brings us now, if you go back to point two, we can pick up the shield of faith. What's faith? Faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we don't see, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Okay, here's how the world, here's how I understand this. When I take God's word, it's not enough, when I'm talking about spiritual battle, I'm not just, just writing stuff on sticky notes and just memorizing a few verses so that when you get tempted, now I start spouting Bible verses and somehow it will all magically make sense. What happens is, is that we get opportunities when these times come. After, if we've been reading God's word and meditating on God's word, we have a chance to try this out and see if it works. And it does, because it's true. I, the reason I can remember all of the last few verses of Romans 12 is because I've had to put that in practice in my life with people who've hurt me. And when I put this in practice and I see God change my heart and I can forgive someone and let go of that, it's like a thousand pounds of bricks have slid off my shoulders and I'm free. I don't have to hang on to that anymore. And so when the temptation comes again because somebody else will hurt me again, oh no, I'm not falling for that again. I got a shield of faith here. That's not true. And I've got a sword with me. I'm not going to stand for that. I'm not giving in. I tried the other way. That's wrong. I mean, the reason we have faith is because we've seen God do it. I, faith is trust. I trust God's word because I've been meditating on it and I've obeyed it and applied it in my life. Look, here are a couple of examples. Matthew 6, Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously. He'll give you everything you need. Well, if you have given God the first fruits, if you've practiced tithing ever in your life, you'll know that God will provide. He'll help you order your priorities. Works every time. He'll change the way you think. If you've had to trust God because you've gone on a mission trip and you weren't even sure how you'd raise the funds and you prayed about it and God did, you'll go, I've seen him do it. Here's another one. I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, nor are our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. When you have sinned and confessed your sins and come back to God and realize that he is there just like the father of the prodigal son waiting to take you back in his arms, you know it's true. And the next time when you sin and the devil comes to accuse you, now aren't you ashamed of yourself? You're not even a real Christian. God will never forgive you. Other Christians will never forgive you. Stay away from God. Don't pray. Don't read your Bible. You can go, that's a lie. I've confessed my sins to him before and he's forgiven me and I can block that temptation and I can go, I can read Romans 8 out loud and I can go, I'm convinced nothing can ever separate me from God's love. Neither death nor life or angels or demons, not the fears of today, the worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can ever separate me from God's love. I can fight back and I'm confident because I've tested it. I can stand firm. One more. Them temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. God's faithful. He won't allow the temptations to be more than you can stand. And when you're tempted, he'll show you a way out. Please under show you, underline show you a way out so you can endure. Even when I'm in temptations, I can have faith that God will show me the way out. The way out might be, by the way, be turn off your computer, turn off the TV, hang up the phone, do not reply to that text. That's the way out. 
Some of you needed to hear that right now. You can write in the margin, run, 2 Timothy 2, 22, flee youthful lust. There are some temptations. The way out is get out of there. But God will show me a way out, and I can have confidence in this. If I'm trusting God, I'm doing my best, and I'm in the middle of a temptation, and I don't want to sin, he'll show me the way out. There was a way out for Eve. Run. He's waiting. You're being hunted. Be ready. Embrace the truth of God's word. Read it. Know it so you can use it. Apply it to your life. And then you'll have faith and confidence. And you can stand firm when the attacks come. And when the door is open to get out, get out. Run. Finally, last thing I'll tell us today, and again, I didn't hit everything. We've got a whole series here. We're going to cover more of this, so don't worry. Last one is we must pray. The night before he's crucified again, Jesus praying with his disciples who had fallen asleep in the garden. He said, keep watch and pray so you won't give in to temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. It's like the story told about the guy who, you know, he'd been wanting to lose weight, and so he got some people in his connect group to be praying for him about his diet and all these things, so people were going to hold him accountable. And then one day, one of his friends from his connect group was driving by Krispy Kreme, and this guy's trying to lose weight, and there's his car parked right in front. He goes, oh, my gosh. So, you know, he goes in there, and he talks to the guy, and he goes, what are you doing in here? He's got a whole dozen of donuts, and he's sitting there eating them. He goes, what are you doing here? He goes, well, you know, I drove by, and there was a, this spot was open right in front of the front door, and the hot donut light sign was on. You know, and, you know, and you're the one, everybody's saying that God's not going to give me anything more than I can bear. How can I resist that? And he goes, so you're telling me you drove up after we've been praying for you, and the hot donut light sign is on, there's a parking spot right in front? Well, he goes, well, yeah, the seventh time around the block, there was a spot right in front of the door. <laughs> well, that's not praying for a way out. That's praying for a way in. Do you not want to take this seriously? Hey, we can pray for a hunger for God's word. I can pray that God will show me the way out. I can pray for Christian friends. I'm so glad you're here today hearing God's word. Some of you are encouraged even today by what you've heard. You needed to hear this today because there is a temptation waiting on you right now and you're tempted to give in something immoral, something slightly shady. Do not give in. Do not give in. Cry out to the Lord for strength. And he will hear your prayer. Will you pray with me, please? Oh, Lord God, I thank you for the warnings in Scripture. I thank you for the instructions in Scripture. I thank you that we are not alone in this world when we have to fight against the evil one. We have your Holy Spirit inside our hearts. We have our brothers and sisters beside us. And, oh, gracious God, we have your word to give us truth. Please give us a hunger for your word, an insatiable desire to know the truth so we can be set free. Give us wisdom and courage to know when temptations come and make the way out crystal clear and then give us the wisdom and a good friend to pull us out the door if necessary. 
In a moment of silence right now, would you pray for yourself or one person you know that's being tempted right now and say, oh God, lead us into truth. Father, we pray these things because Jesus told his disciples to pray. Deliver us from evil. Jesus told his disciples, ask you every day, lead us not into temptation. Yours is the kingdom and yours is the power of the Lord. Forever and ever. Help us keep our eyes focused on you. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray these things.